When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 14, and we're recording on December 1st. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. How's it going, Jen? It is good. Well, it's Friday, so it's good. Yeah. <laughs> we it's were just been a week. Yeah. It's been a week. I don't it know. It has been. I Usually my Fridays are pretty low-key, but... I don't know. I guess I feel like maybe it's because we're just coming out of the holiday and I don't know, maybe I still have turkey brain or something. No, I for <laughs> sure. It's not so much turkey brain as pie brain for me, Ooh, but like brain, that's yes. that's real. Also, we're going into a holiday like in my opinion. Yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas are way too close together. Like, could we switch to Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in October? Because that would be ideal. Like, that would just spread out (laughs) everything a little bit more nicely, is all I'm saying. (laughs) I totally agree. Or else, like, the world goes or the U.S. goes on siesta from, like... Thanksgiving through New Year's. That, that sounds nice also too. great. I would be on board with that as well. Either I, one of those things is fine. Uh, yeah, that's me just being greedy, but what can I say? Whatever. <laughs> so before we start, um, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, and that is Penguin Random House Audio. So listening to an audiobook can bring family and friends together this holiday season. And you can listen to Turtles All the Way Down by John Green on your next family road trip and discuss some important themes of the story. Or you can listen to Seven Days of Us by Francesca Hornick with your friends at Book Club to prepare for the holiday season. Connect, listen, and discuss with audiobooks from Penguin Random House Audio. And I know for me personally, I I mean, I read a lot of audiobooks or listen to a lot of audiobooks in general. And I would kind of love to listen to an audiobook on a road trip. So if you're t- planning to take any road trips or if you have, you know, some quiet moments with the family, it's a great way to stay entertained and to kind of have the conversation going and not have to talk about like politics and relationships. And <laughs> you're going to have your firstborn. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Uh, uh, family. <laughs> family. I love them. I love them. But sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you're looking for some audiobooks for the holiday season, check out uh, audiobooks from Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. And I guess we can get started. Do you want to choose your first news story? 
Yeah, although I have a feeling we're both interested in talking first about the same thing, or at least that's my guess. This science fiction triggers poor reading uh, piece from The Guardian, which I would just like to start by saying this is one of those cases of like headline Mm -hmm. garbageness, because actually what this study revealed is that preconceived notions about genre fiction trigger poor reading. Like it's not actually that the words airlock and (laughs) anti-gravity... Like make you dumber, which is what this, what this, what it is like. They're that's how they're framing it. But no, so apparently a couple of professors decided to measure um, the reader response to a text, and in one version of the text, it was like like it, the both texts featured a person who's like mad about something, going to talk to a bunch of other people about it in a community space, and in one version, it was like a guy going into the diner, and another version, it was a guy going into like you know a spaceport with aliens. But otherwise, everything else was the same, and apparently, like the readers reacted more negatively to the ones that had the words like airlock and aliens in it. Um, And we'll put a link in in the show notes so you can read the whole thing. But I I got so irritated reading (laughs) this piece. When I saw that headline, I was like, how dare they? How dare they? And you have to, you really have to like get through a bit of it before you realize like, okay, it is about assumptions and the person who conducted the study was actually doing this because he was um, irritated by another study that came out earlier, which, first of all, like identified certain types of fiction as genre fiction and kind of generalized. And so that's why the study was conducted. But, you know, you really have to get into the article to discover that, yes, it is just yeah. about people's assumptions about genre fiction that they feel like they don't have to really pay attention for, you know, character development or anything like that, which they would usually focus on for, you know, literary fiction, however you want to define that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the the other thing that irritated about uh, irritated me about this was that it basically turns into like this guy like pitching how important his writing is. <laughs> like oh, yeah. he's he's like <laughs> talking about how like important it is that people write literary genre, which it just turns out that he writes. Like I just was <laughs> like, oh, uh, like what, what, what? I don't. Is this science? Like, is this actually science? I have questions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the the academic is the author of a guide to superhero comics. And Which, like, okay, like, fine, but a little bit of a conflict of interest, perhaps. I agree. Here. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, uh, that is an unusual thing to see when you're talking about an academic article. Because yeah. it is like there's very much a thing about not having bias. And, you know, this study is just for science. And so, yes, I totally agree. It was a weird – this whole thing is framed oddly. Like, yes. I almost feel like maybe can we do a do-over? I mean I believe that right. people make assumptions <laughs> about genre fiction, but it, it's mm-hmm. just – I don't want people to then not take this seriously because even I was like taking a step back. Like right. who are you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like if if your point is just that like people look down on genre fiction, like uh, yes – 
Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Like, we're aware of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of axes to grind, I think, in this piece. And the framing was very weird. So, yeah. D- disapprove on multiple levels. Me too. I am right there with you. And yeah. I would encourage people to, I mean, even just for entertainment, to read the whole article. Yeah. Because there is a lot going on in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd like to know what you think as well out there. And none of it points to science fiction making you dumber or or being a poorer reader for the record like none of it points in that direction (laughs) yeah thank goodness like I am I I am over that sort of uh, those studies or those assumptions and I feel like uh, you know we all get things out of different types of books so Mm -hmm. please enough of that (laughs) yes that's right enough of that (laughs) you know (laughs) okay um I think that the the next story I want to talk about is the Tolkien, mm-hmm. because there's a lot going on in the world of J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, because first of all, we have that Amazon series coming out, and um, if you haven't heard, there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of why questions, but Amazon has picked up a series for a prequel to Lord of the Rings. So it's not like a redo of the film by Peter Jackson, but it's a prequel and there isn't much that's known about the actual story or who's going to be casted. But then later down the line, we find out this bit of news that has sort of been teased. Um, I didn't hear about it until this piece came out, but J.R. Tolkien's son has resigned as director of Tolkien Estate. And before he resigned, he was sort of, he had sort of a firm grip on adaptations of Lord of the Rings and of Tolkien's work. Um, So when I saw that, I was immediately like, oh, well, that sort of makes sense. Now that's why we're seeing this new Amazon series coming out because Christopher Tolkien, uh, the son, who is also, of course, a scholar of his father's work, is no longer controlling that. And so we're probably going to see a lot more from the world of Lord of the Rings and from the world of Tolkien now that Christopher Tolkien is sort of out of the picture. And I don't know what I feel about this. Like, I guess it was hinted at in... um the last book that came out, Baron and Luthien, mm-hmm. yeah, in the preface for that, it was hinted at, um, but that was all the way in August, and it's only just recently that we've it's been confirmed. So I'm curious about how things will shift for that estate and for Tolkien's work. Like, there was that whole thing, the kerfuffle about, you know, Tolkien characters or Lord of the Ring characters on casinos are being used yes. in casino games <laughs> and I'm like oh is all of that like that's all okay now who's going to have the control over that what's going to happen with all of those properties what do you think yeah I go back and forth on it because I have long kind of thought of Christopher Tolkien as sort of like overly concerned with the purity of the legacy. Um, Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you know, the, up until this last round of movies, um, the Hobbit movies, 
like the Lord of the Rings and the Tolkien books were kind of what is the word I want? Like unsullied by commercial overexposure. Like there, you know, there just wasn't, you can't like get, you couldn't get action figures like in the same way that you could get other things. Like there weren't a million billion t-shirts about hobbits. Like it, it, it was sort of unique in that way because Christopher Tolkien had those, you know, reins so tightly gripped. Um, and, and that doesn't have to be a, bad thing but it also doesn't have to be a bad thing that we'll get more stuff like I kind of like the idea of more stuff except for that I don't because then I start (laughs) to worry about like how good are the adaptations gonna be you know and then you just get into all the same questions we have for any adaptation of any work and the Hobbit movies were such a disappointment to me that it's hard for me to imagine getting excited about more adaptations. Although I will say that it just occurred to me that it means somebody could do like a new cartoon thing of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. And I might be up for that. Did you, do you remember like the, the really old just classic? Va- like just barely. Yeah. We watched it when I was really little. <laughs> me was, too. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, it's so, so that, weird that that was what was, you know, know out to know. <laughs> That's what just popped into my head. I was like, Oh, what if they, what if they redid that? Like that might be interesting. <laughs> I mean, it could be. I just remember those being weirdly creepy, but yes, I kind of like that. It, right. Like the weird rotus. I don't know what was we, going on. We might that. need to do a rewatch. We, I wonder if we can do those up i would absolutely i feel like they have to be on youtube or something or something (laughs) or something but yeah i don't know so i i'm of two minds about it you know i mean christopher tolkien is 93 so like he's he's put in his time he's done his work um so you know godspeed to him i don't know what will happen next i mean if if slot machines are like the hint of the future to come then it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I know. I mean, I feel like a bit of distance from it all because I it's been a really long time since I read The Hobbit and attempted to read Lord of the Rings and I sort of feel like the franchise has already gone to a certain place. Mm. So I almost feel like I'm more intellectually curious about what's going to happen like I don't have any real feelings attached to it. I don't think I'm going to be crying. If, you know, some figurines come out that no, Christopher yeah. Tolkien would never have okayed. Right. So, you know, what can you... But I know that there are probably fans out there who are very... Who have a lot of feelings about this topic. And that's that's okay. There are a lot of fans. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be... I, it will certainly be discussable, whatever It happens. will. <laughs> There's going to be so much discussable stuff. I mean, I'm sure even when this the Amazon series adaptation rolls out, like I, I'm really curious about where they're going to take that. Really, mm-hmm. so so yeah. we'll see. We shall we see. see. We shall see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, <laughs> as they say. Um. Okay. Let's see. The next thing that I want to talk about is this Harry Potter augmented reality game. So the this news came out back in it's almost a month ago now. It was yeah. November eighth on the Neantic blog. Um, 
And they are the folks who are responsible for Pokemon Go. And they are going to do a Harry Potter game called Wizards Unite, um, where you will get to learn spells and explore your neighborhood and cities and discover and fight legendary beasts and team up with others to take down powerful enemies. I will say that when I first heard that we were getting a Harry Potter AR, I really wanted it to be collecting legendary beasts and not fighting them. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. want to kill Smog. I want to hatch some dragon eggs, you know, like, well, not Smog, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to, I want to like, I want to be Newt Scamander and like go find some Nifflers. Like, I don't want to fight anything. I just want to like collect them. <laughs> they have to have some of that. Like, I'm sure it will. Would, I'm that sure would be it such will. such a missed opportunity. Everybody would love because that was sort of the thing about I have never played Pokemon Go but I see it everywhere all the time Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what sort of makes that game successful like to have things well and you do you kind of have to like you kind of have to fight the things to get them like you like either have to like complete like a series of whatever's to to acquire the the pokemon and so like it could be like that i guess like maybe if you fight you know a a a norwegian ridgeback then it's like added to your arsenal um the spells part should be fun i will say that my response to this when i first heard about was like oh no because i did play i I played pokemon go for all of two Two days but what happened is i kept walking into things oh like God. i walked into like four lamp posts and like fire hydrants <laughs> and my my phone ran out of batteries like immediately and i was just like this is not gonna work for me <laughs> like this is i am a danger to myself and to other people trying to walk around and do this game at the same time like this is not gonna work out um so i stopped i took it off my phone and i have not played it since but like i will get myself a helmet <laughs> and a bat pack and like for I I will at least give it a try I will at least give it a try I don't know what do you think yeah I didn't have any real like I've I've never been like a big Pokemon fan but when I saw this I was like well there's absolutely no way I'm not going to test this out because you know I am I am a huge fan of Harry Potter and the wizarding world in general but I didn't think about the logistics aspect of it either like it's so complicated yeah I am already so oblivious so oblivious when I'm walking around that I'm like am I gonna like walk into moving traffic or you know, like you might, you might. Okay, related question for you: Did you ever play around with Pottermore? I did only to like be sorted, and that was when it first came out, like way back when. I was on there a little bit, but I sort of had the I want to wait until more stuff is happening here, and then I never went back situation. Yeah. So, yeah. Be- because I I spent a day with a friend of mine. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do Pottermore. And we sat down with our laptops in her living room and we like we got through some stuff, but it was the spell stuff was so hard. No, the potions were oh. hard. Potions were like impossible. And then yeah, getting the spell like movements right on a keypad was not my favorite. Um and there was also a 
was it PlayStation? There's a there were a series of Harry Potter video games, and I definitely played the Order of the Phoenix, or maybe it was on my computer. I played a little bit of a Harry Potter video game, and it didn't stick for me. So I don't know. That's always my wonder: is like, will it be sticky enough um, to keep me coming back? And you know, I know those things stick for other people, but I apparently have like a higher, like I'm more like Teflon in these situations. Like it's easy mm-hmm. for me to to kind of just not go back to it. So I, I'm very curious about it, though. I wish there was more. It's been a month. Like, give us some more news here. I know. That's like, tell true. Me what's, tell me more things. Um, but they have not announced anything else yet that I'm aware of. I couldn't find anything. So I'm sure it takes some development time and whatnot. And also, I bet they're going to really tease it out. Yeah. They know it's going to be a huge deal. Um, and so hopefully, it you know, it doesn't land flat on its face because... I am probably going to be pretty critical of it when it comes out. <laughs> you and a lot of other <laughs> Not folks. Not to be mean, but just because, you know, it's a it's a story I love and a world I love. And, you know, you would think that it would be very easy to create something really entertaining with the amount of world building you get mm-hmm. from Harry Potter. But I have seen situations just like you were talking about where it was just like, I, you know, like, I really mm-hmm. want to, if I'm going to be there, I want to really feel like I'm there. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. We're going to, we're going to be some judges, maybe <laughs> when it comes out, we're Judgy going to have judge your pants. That's us. Yes. <laughs> I'm already wagging my finger for no reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're definitely going to hear from us about this mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Okay, um, this one's a little bit short, uh, but I wanted to bring it up because, oh no, never mind. Forget about what I said because I deleted that one from the list. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about this rag and bone. I know you put this on the list and I'm sort of stealing it. Yeah. This rag and bone uh, teases the launch of a new Star Wars inspired collection. So... Rag and Bone is developing their new Star Wars inspired clothing line. And it's sort of got that when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to afford this. It's got that like urban chic look about it, which I really like, but I find is very expensive. And of course, it was featured also in Vogue. So you can tell already. Um, And there's a video here. I didn't actually watch it, but you can see some of the clothes. I saw the clothes featured in, in the Vogue piece, but they're really cool and interesting. Uh, but they have like, it says it's a militaristic influence, which of course I called urban chic because <laughs> that's my fashion language for some reason. Um but you, it's clothing that's inspired by some of the some people's favorite characters in the Empire Strikes Back. Strikes Back. Um, and what did you did you like it? Did you because I feel like you're more of a Star Wars fan than I am. Well, I think this is interesting from a sort of licensing perspective, and also from a geek saturation perspective. So, so hot topic and. Um, Oh, what is it? Her universe and like yeah. Think Geek, et cetera, have always had, right? Like they have a ton of Star Wars stuff. Um, I have I have bought some of that Star Wars stuff. Like I own some of that stuff. And it is, you know, it's cheap and like 
some of it's not the best quality. Like I have this Wookiee uh, shirt that I got at Target that's like going to fall <laughs> apart in two more washes, but I love it anyway. Um, but Rag and Bone, as you said, is like is upscale. Like it's mm-hmm. not fancy pants. It, it's fancy. Like you you don't just like the t-shirts are not going to be. 30 bucks they're going to be 100 bucks like and you know who knows how much the coats and the sweaters are going to be like this is not your like you know mall grab it and go on the way to somewhere else kind of clothing line so what i think is so interesting about that is that star wars has gotten so big that like haute couture is now deliberately referencing it because you can see sci-fi influences all over runways, right? Like fashion has always been inspired by science fiction and yeah. vice versa. Um, you just have to look at like the fifth element, for example, to see the connections. It's not hard, but they're usually less like they're not deliberate licensing. They're just sort of stealing concepts. This is an actual licensing deal. So, like they so so that means that Rag and Bone believes that their clientele is interested in wearing geek clothing. Yeah, that is really interesting. Right? Like I, that's I, interesting to me. I mean, I've seen we see things like, you know, celebrity lines of fashion and that sort of thing because obviously like if Rihanna comes out with right. a fashion line people are going to buy it but you're right like i was thinking about blade runner mm-hmm. when i first saw this and just the like you know the clear the clear raincoat that was everywhere on the runway mm-hmm. and they even mentioned it again because you know the new blade runner movie came out that those transparent raincoats are back in fashion. But yeah, it's never it's never been said like, oh, this is the Blade Runner line from, you know, um, I should know my fashion designers, but I don't. From like Vivian Westwood yeah, like or Zach, something, you know? Right. Like Zach Posen isn't gonna do like a like a Blade Runner. Or, yeah. or maybe he is now. Like who knows? But but this is sort of the first this is the first time I've seen any high end retailer do a licensing deal. And I think that's interesting. It's really interesting. And I'm wondering if people will actually pay the money. Right. To buy these things because, I mean, I guess it is like a label and it, you know, once things are high fashion, they're high fashion and I feel like people would probably buy it just for the sake of having it and keeping it maybe even as a collector's piece and never wearing it. Like, I could definitely see that happening, like, as part of the history of the Star Wars franchise. I mean, I don't know. Like, these, I mean, when you look at the pictures, I'm like, these are nice, but they're not, like, that, I don't think they're that amazing. Like, I like haute couture. I mean, they are. Like, most of haute couture, I'm just like, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'll buy the cheap version at Target. Like, I am not a fashionista, although I have watched a lot of Project Runway. Um, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. And I also, so the other thing that this reminded me of is, are you aware of the designer L. Hoffer? No. So she makes high end geek inspired clothing. And I do have one of her dresses and I did pay more than a hundred dollars for it, which is actually Ooh, like right. not that much for a dress in like the world of fashion. But like when you're used to buying like a hundred and o- under a hundred and over is a lot. And it's all, she does all the designs. Like I will leave a link in the show notes she's been doing, but it's not licensing deals. They're like very like sort of, um, undercover geek chic is, is what she does. And, like and that. so 
I wonder if Rag and Bone is like aware that this is a thing that's happening on a smaller designer level and is like, we want to get a piece of that. Like, I don't know. Do they know? I have no idea. Um, I just think it's, I, yeah, it feels to me like this is sort of a, like a, a saturation point for geek culture that Star Wars has gotten this big, that this is what's happening with like clothing in the geek world. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, I mean, I would say it's a little bit cool. Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. Becoming, I, people are becoming that interested in science fiction and, you know, it's becoming bigger and more popular and, oh, you know, it's expanding and people are seeing more of it. So I don't know. I'm never going to buy any of these clothes, but. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I don't I, I don't feel get off my lawn about it. I'm just kind of like, yeah. well, that's interesting. Like, it's just intellectually interesting to see. Um, and and I think there are a lot of fans who do have the interest in in fashion and would like to own, you know, nicer things. Um, I think it'll do very well, actually. Uh, I just I just didn't realize that Star Wars was big enough that Rag and Bone was going to make a collection until I saw the story. Well, I'm going to be scouring Instagram to try and see if anybody's actually wearing these clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see. I just want to see what type of what the audience looks like. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. what interests me. Yeah, um, agree. What do you think? Do we have time for another? I was just thinking maybe one more. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Wonder Woman because I kind of always want to talk about Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman. Oh, no. I just closed that tab. Come back tab. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Slipper, slippery mouse fingers there. Um <laughs> So Wonder Woman became in yeah it was is also in November. We've had like some things on the list for so long because we were yeah. doing our holiday shows, but I still really did want to talk about this. So Wonder Woman was the highest grossing superhero origin movie worldwide. Um it earned 821.74 million. Crazy. Oh, um hi. And it put it over 2002 Spider-Man, which had the previous title. Um, there's a lot of, like, people nitpicking, like, well, if you adjust for inflation, blah, 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 blah. Um, but that's fine. Whatever. It's still, you know, it it really is amazing that it has just, like, killed it at the box office when for years all of the studios were saying that, like, female-led superhero movies don't work. But that's because they just kept making bad ones. <laughs> like, they, <laughs> like you can't expect Catwoman, to, that Catwoman movie that they made, right, oh to goodness. become exactly the highest-grossing superhero origin movie. Like, that's not the kind of movie that's going to get there. Just because, not because it had a woman in the lead, but because it wasn't a very good movie. Um, and we finally have proof that that's true. They can't say anymore that female-led superhero movies don't do well in the box office because this one smashed everything. So that that feels nice. I'm I'm excited. I feel I feel great about that. Everybody was so there was so much support behind it, and the, everybody was so excited about it. And I remember, like, I mean, this might date me a little bit, but I remember watching like the Wonder Woman TV show, and I felt like that was really popular back when I was a kid. They might have been reruns. I was not born in the 70s. No, you were, I was going to say, you were watching reruns, but that's okay. <laughs> but still, I was like, wow, this is awesome. And I feel like, 
Yet there are characters we all get around. There are female characters who are awesome and you just need to put some money behind those films and the right people in the, the director's seats mm-hmm. and the right writers. And I think that, yeah, it's exciting that it finally happened and that there's proof now. And I, I can't wait to see what else they come up with, like what other female superheroes they put out there and they actually make really good movies for. Um, I can't even guess who the next one will be about, but... Well, I think we're supposed to get a Captain Marvel movie, which would be great. Um, Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And, you know, it's not like bad male-led superhero movies don't get made. They get made all the freaking time. Um, We just don't have as many female ones to, like, widen the pool out of. Um, My other thought about this is that I really hope that we get a repeat of this in terms of Black Panther, which comes out in February, y'all. Like, mark your calendars. February 16th it looks like it's gonna be amazing and i would love to see that movie clean up at the box office to disprove this other thing that studios say which is that like you know like non-white lead movies don't do well at the box office which is Mm -hmm. also like not true (laughs) we know it's not true they make more money there's statistics about it but i want to see this one like clean up and also it looks amazing i cannot wait to see it it looks so good yeah we should leave a link to the trailer in the show notes oh, we because will. Yes. I remember like I just watched it recently when it came out and I was like total chills mm-hmm. uh, I just love the whole thing I just can't wait for it to come out so yeah it's gonna be awesome so I'm way more down- excited about that than I am about Infinity War to be perfectly honest oh yeah <laughs> unpopular opinion don't at me <laughs> <laughs> you're entitled to it. I'm sure I'm actually not the only one who feels that way but we'll I'm, see. yeah we'll see. I'm positive that's true yeah I'm, I'm probably in the same camps so. <laughs> all the unpopular opinion it's all good all right so let me tell you our second sponsor and then we were this is our fairy tale rewrite show um so we're gonna get into that after our sponsor our sponsor it's us it's book riot insiders i'm doing jazz hands you can't tell um, <laughs> so this is a way that you can level up your book life We have a subscription program that gives you exclusive content, um, different perk levels, and it has behind-the-scenes emails written by staff. There are special giveaways. There's a special Book Riot store discount. There are now two special podcasts, and there is the new release index, which is curated by all the books host Liberty, and that helps you track the most exciting upcoming books. So there is just like a plethora of delightful things that await subscribers um, at Book Riot insiders we have a real good time right now there are there are three levels there are short story uh novel and epic and the epic spots are limited because it's the fanciest um but they open up monthly and novel level subscribers get the first crack so if you think you're interested in epic but it's not available you should subscribe at the novel level you'll get most of the stuff um and then you get first crack at epic spots so you can go to bookriot.com slash podcast insiders and get all the details it's pretty great sharifa hosts one of the podcasts Yay! right I love hosting the Read Harder uh, podcast. That's where I recommend Read Harder tasks. So mm-hmm. hopefully you'll you'll get in there and you'll get to hear me talk even more. Yeah, <laughs> and you're already plotting um, the 2018 ones, right? I am. I'm super Big excited. Secret list. <laughs> secret list. Can't say anything. Can't <laughs> say anything. That's coming soon. Um, so yes, go to bookriot.com slash podcast insiders and check it out. 
All right. Do you want to kick us off with fairy tales? I will. Um, and I'm going to start with my fantasy pick, but I, I wanted to shout out two books that I wasn't allowed to talk about by my own decision because <laughs> I talked about Helen Oyeyemi so much. Uh, but I wanted to shout out Boy Snowbird. We're talking about fairy tale adaptation or, you know, books inspired by fairy tales. And Boy Snowbird is um, inspired by Snow White. And I just, I just absolutely love that book. It's about a woman who goes off to find her new future because she has a completely heinous past and she has these it's like the Helenoya Yemi style magical realism where it's not like the magic is right in front of your face but it's very much like in a small community in the woods and she has a like a stepchild and they're weird things with mirrors. I just love that book and I also wanted to shout out Six Gun Snow White by Catherine M Valente um about a young girl who's going out this is these are both snow white stories about a young girl who goes out into the world on her horse with her gun and she's basically running away from her evil stepmother and both of my books have evil stepmothers in them and the first one i want to talk about is ash by melinda lowe and I actually remembered this book because it was recommended by you, Jen, and Elliot on the episode of Get Book, I guessed it. So I was like, wow, they have a lot of good things to say about that. I really liked Huntress by Melinda Lowe, so I immediately thought about that. And it ended up, it ended up being like the perfect read, especially for this season. Um, so it's there's sort of a quiet beauty about the book, I would say, Mm -hmm. uh, from the prose to the story itself. And I ended up listening to it on audiobook because I read a lot of books via audiobook. And I didn't realize until the end that Melinda Lowe herself narrates it. And yeah, she was a wonderful narrator. I was like, wow, this narrator is getting like all the sound effects down, like all the ways people talk. And I was like, who is this? And that's when I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's Melinda Lowe. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so Ash is a Cinderella story about a young girl named Ash, Cinder and Ash. So Ash is struggling with the death of her mother. And her mother was this sort of ephemeral uh, entity. She's a woman who seemed surrounded by magic or who carried a strain of it, even though she was mortal. And when she dies, Ash's father allows the witches to attend and the old traditions to be practiced, even though he and a lot of the rest of the world they live in and the community they live in, this kingdom, they no longer hold the old customs. Um, So while mourning her mother, Ash meets a strange man who she can tell isn't mortal. He's from the fairy world. And of course, he has all the glamour in both senses of the word and all of the attractions. And to Ash, this is exciting and promising. And it's because her prized possession is this book of fairy tales. And even though she's read them, she pursues this fairy. And that was her. I was like, every time I was like, stop going into the forest. What are you doing? Because I have read my fair share of fairy tales. And if there's anything I've learned from fairy tales, it's that you should never follow or make bargains with fairy folk. But Ash kind of has this nihilistic streak because of the death of her mother and because of the entrance of an evil stepmother. 
complete with evil stepsisters. And when her father dies, uh, and this is still early in the story, so this is not a spoiler. Her father dies and she's forced into this life of servitude under her stepmother and treated completely horribly. So they get to go to the balls and her stepsisters get to think about their futures, which honestly isn't that jealousy inducing because their lives invite like they involve competing to attract the eyes of wealthy men, whether or not they love them to secure their future while Ash's prospects of even finding work down the line sort of get a shrug from her stepmother. And she also gets to stay behind eating like old apples and crusts of bread while her so-called family skips off to fancy land. And Ash is a bit of a romantic, especially when it comes to fairy lore, but she's also really resilient and strong, which is a big part of the reason why I liked her as a character. And she's just beginning to settle into life as a servant when she meets a huntress. And in this world, women lead the king's hunt. And the huntress lore created in this story is fascinating. Like, I loved it so much. And between Ash and the huntress, Kaisa, there is this instant connection, a spark and chemistry between the two women. But Ash made a promise to the man from Fairyland, and she finds herself caught between him and Kaisa and these growing feelings she has for Kaisa. And she's one small step away from losing the one thing she wants. And I just felt like Ash completely contained the magic you find in fairy tales. This, there's sort of a hypnotic rhythm to those stories, and this definitely has it. It's slow building, but I enjoyed meandering through on my way to the end. It's a bit like a walk in the woods, and I listened to this a lot when I was doing my, like, ridiculous walks that are a couple miles long over the weekend, mm -hmm. and it was just beautiful. It was magical and beautiful, and I highly recommend it if you're looking for um, a new version of a fairy tale. So that was Ash by Melinda Lowe. Yeah, so good. Mm, I love it. <laughs> I know. All right. I also have a couple shout outs. Um, it, I cannot talk about rewritten fairy tales without talking about Angela Carter and Robin mm -hmm. McKinley. But I also know that most folks are familiar with Angela Carter and Robin McKinley. And I wanted to give folks something, you know, newer that they might not have heard of. Um, I also thought of Boy Snowbird by Helen Oyemi. So good. Um, <laughs> so like consider this like a blanket recommendation that if you have not already read Angela Carter's The Bloody Chamber or um, any Robin McKinley, really, um, you should check some out from the library or go buy them from the bookstore immediately. They're great, um, wonderful feminist retellings of some pretty classic fairy tales. Um, I don't know who gave it to me, but I read Deerskin by Robin McKinley like a million times when I was in my teens, and that book like messed up my head. <laughs> Ooh, now I have to read it. I haven't oh, read man. it. Oh man, it's like trigger warning for sexual assault and rape. Like it's rough. It's really rough. Oh, but goodness. if you know the original myth, which is donkey skin, it's not myth, fairy tale. You like you know that this is the thing. Like a bad king, you know, up in his daughter's business. Like it's not good. Um, but she rewrote it, and it it's like it's bananas. Anyway, okay, sorry. So the, <laughs> my first pick is also my fantasy pick, um, and it is Forest of a Thousand Lanterns by Julie C. Dow. And this book, I read it and I was like, Sharifa, you need to I read know, it. I was <laughs> just smiling about that. <laughs> because it is an evil queen retelling. Um, you get the origin story of an evil queen, except it's like East Asian inspired uh, rather than your 
typical European, um, more Western retelling. And I'm not going to tell you which evil queen it is because that was part of the fun for me was like waiting to see like which fairy tale exactly is this. And when you, when it like becomes clear, it's like, Ooh, um, it was a cool moment. So I'm not going to tell you which it is, but, but just know that that's what it is. Um, and it follows a young woman named Shifeng who is beautiful. Like she was born gorgeous um, and her she lives with her very abusive aunt um, who is like cruel and manipulative and violent um, but is raising her to be like somebody important. They live in this village. They're poor. Um, they don't have a lot going on for them but her aunt Guma is like you're beautiful and one day you're going to capture the heart of a rich man and you're going to gonna like you're gonna be royalty um her aunt has some magical powers and has and like reads you know cards and sees uh, a, a destiny for she so she's like been raised to believe that she will one day be royalty and that her beauty is her only good thing her aunt has also made her feel like there is no goodness in her aside from that she is beautiful and she has not been taught to be a good person um so and, and it's a close third person narrative so you you kind of are looking at this world through Shifeng's eyes and she's not a charitable person um she has really kind of cruel and mean opinions of the people around her um and you can but you can see where it comes from like when I first started the book I was like oh man like this book is harsh like I'm not sure I can hang with this um <laughs> But then it becomes clear, like, where this is coming from. And I just got really sucked in. So she uh, um, finally, like, sort of leaves for the capital. She's with a guy she's been seeing on and off for a long time. And he has convinced her um, that they need to run away from her aunt for them to be together. And she is like, well, I need to get away because I'm never going to meet a rich man here in this village. So, like, I'll go with him because I think I love him. But also, like, how am I going to meet my destiny if I just stay here forever um so she's like got she and this is classic for her like she is always just on the edge of doing the right thing but then she can see the wrong thing and it's like the well quote-unquote wrong it's the self-serving thing to do like the thing that will advance her interests and it doesn't always line up with the quote-unquote right thing to do and watching her feel her way through these decisions and make decisions you're just like oh man like don't do it, but I can see why you would, but don't do it. <laughs> uh, it's a really cool, like it's the narrative tension is real. And I really appreciated that about it. Um, and the world building is so lush. It's so beautifully described. There's a lot of different, there's dark magic, there's bright magic in here. Um, there's some really great supporting characters. It gave me the creeps. Like I just couldn't put it down. It was really, really compelling to me. And it's the first in a series. Um, so that is exciting. I don't know when the next one is coming, but I, and this one only came out this year, so it might be a little bit of a wait, but it does have like a good solid ending um, where you can see what's coming next, but you're not there yet. And yeah, I just, I thought it was one of the most interesting um, sort of villain retellings that I've read in a while. So that's Forest of a Thousand Lanterns by Julie C. Dow. 
I am really excited to get into that. It has taken me forever to get through my, I had like a list of books I was supposed to read in November. I didn't get through any of them. I was just doing so much work reading. Yeah. It also has a snake theme. And that was one of the other reasons I thought of you. I was like, oh, it's like a Slytherin book, kind of. Like it is a very Slytherin book. Um, Well, (laughs) oh my goodness. I have to, I have to get to it. Next up is going to be that book. I promise. I hope you like <laughs> it now that I've sold it so hard. <laughs> I'm almost certain I will. You know me. I do. Um, so for science fiction, I chose a collection of short stories, and it is The Grim Future, edited by Aaron Underwood. And this is kind of from a smallish press. I think they only had a limited run of these, but uh, you can get it on ebook. You can get them on Amazon, so... Um, but it was published by the New England Science Fiction Association. But I, I saw it and there were some names I recognized and I immediately had to pick it up. And it's an, an interesting collection of stories from these familiar authors. And they're all based on original stories by the Brothers Grimm, which you might have guessed from the title. Uh, there's a story by Garth Nix, who is the author of the Old Kingdom series, and his short story in the collection is Pair of Ugly Stepsisters, Three of a Kind. And that's a story where a human and an AI are in the maintenance line of business, but they're in space, they're navigating space in their ship, and they're basically just cleaning up these messes on small planets um, that are made for people to live out a simulated fantasy life. So think sort of Westworld. Uh, so they're sent on a mission to the planet Grimm, which is programmed to act out stories from the world of the Brothers Grimm. And they have to rescue the daughter of a wealthy family from an AI gone awry. And the daughter is playing the part of a prince in this story. Uh, And the simulations are conducted by a sort of supercomputer. So there's a core in the castle where the supercomputer lives. And the job of little sister and her companion is to take down the supercomputer and save the daughter. But something completely unexpected happens when they execute the mission. And we learn a really huge secret about the two maintenance women. And there's another story called Origins by Carlos Hernandez, which is about a race of godlike beings who've decided that their habit of cannibalizing each other for food is immoral. <laughs> and one of these beings, it's this is this was a strange one. This definitely fits into like the weird fiction realm. So one of these beings who is excommunicated for feeding on their own child, the gender is never discussed in this, um, follows a woman on the moon, which has been colonized by humans, and the moon is called Luna. And through her, this being learns something vital about humanity and makes a life and maybe world-changing decision based on what he learns or she learns. Um, And then in the story, stories of the trees, stories for the birds, stories of the bones... That one's by Cat Howard, who wrote oh. Roses and Rot. Yeah. I need some, I feel like some people will recognize at least one or two of these names. Um, but that's about a woman who listens to trees using an interface from a technology called Ever After. And as she's listening to the tree's stories, she happens upon one tree, a juniper tree, whose voice sounds decidedly human and who keeps repeating, 
My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, she buried my bones. Which is not creepy at all. Like, no. <laughs> I was like, uh. <laughs> and I was reading this at night, of course, so that didn't help. But <laughs> she and her employer, the woman who owns the woods, set out to uncover the juniper tree's secrets. And they find out something about what's going on underneath the roots of this tree. And the fun thing about this collection is that each of these stories is followed by the Brothers Grimm, the original Brothers Grimm stories they're based on. And some of them are like combinations of different Grimm stories. So for instance, uh, Stories of the Trees was based on the Juniper Tree by the Brothers Grimm. Origins was based on the Star Tailors. And Pair of Ugly Stepsisters was based on Little Brother and Little Sister, Rapunzel, Little Red Cap, and Cinderella. So <laughs> you get to revisit some really familiar fairy tales and also discover some lesser known grim tales. Because there were definitely some in there that I had never encountered or heard of, like the Star Tailors I hadn't heard of. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, I found it really interesting and fun. That was The Grim Future, edited by Aaron Underwood. Nice. I'm going to have to pick that up. That sounds great. Um, yeah, so I found my sci-fi pick because somebody asked on a Get Booked episode for um, like a, a comp to Cinder, the Marissa Meyer Lun Lunar Chronicles oh, yeah. books, which is hard to find. Like there's not a lot of like you know, cyborg Cinderella's out there. I mean, I guess there are, but they're, they're not as common. Um, and I found this, it's another YA that I just loved called Mechanica by Betsy Cornwell. And it's about a young woman named Nicolette who lives in sort of like an alternate industrial age. It's not England, but it sounds a lot like England kind of place. Um, and she, it's the classic Cinderella story. She, when she was young, uh, she lost her mother and then her father remarries and the stepmother and the stepsisters move in and they're terrible. Um, and her father dies and she is now a servant in her own home. And oh, actually, is her father? No, he is dead. Yeah, he's alive for some of it and then he's gone. Anyway, she has these memories of some strange things about her mother. And her mother was a brilliant inventor. Um, and she taught Nicolette some things. And Nicolette has, like, kind of kept the house running with the things that she learned. So, like, there are mechanical mice that help with the cleaning. And, like, she has, like, a little, like, all of these, like, mechanical, like, bugs that do chores around the house. Um, so if you are thinking of, like, for example, the Disney cartoon Cinderella like the fleet of like mice and animals that help Cinderella like this has mechanical versions of that which I thought was so fun um and then uh, like a side note to this world is that there is a country where the fae or fairy come from that has been colonized by the rulers of Nicolette's country and formerly there were like pretty good relations and there was trade and you know people from there came to work in this country um, but then uh, somebody went there's like a royal person went missing and they were blamed and somebody died and it's all very complicated and um, so fairy has basically been like 
like outlawed and made second class citizens ever since then. Um, and Nicolette's mother was like a sympathizer and they, she used to fight with her, with the father about it. Um, so now like fast forward, Nicolette is turning 16 and she gets a letter. Like she, uh, she finds a letter from her mother that leads her to a secret room in the house, a secret workshop. Um, and at this point she is just like, how, how do I get out of this life? Like the steps are awful. She has none of her own money. She wants to keep her house in her family, but like she doesn't know how she's going to do it. And when she uncovers this this secret workshop, she's like, "Oh, maybe I can like make stuff and sell it at the market and save up enough to have a life of my own. Like I can buy back the house from the steps and I can have my own life. So this is her goal. Um, and uh, things sort of unroll from there. Um, and it is so such a fun twist like there's a moment where she meets the undercover prince and um and and that plot line does not at all go how i thought it would go like betsy cornwell is like clearly a fan of cinderella but she's also like i can make some improvements to this like i have <laughs> i have thoughts about how this could be more interesting and she goes ahead and she does make it i thought more interesting and i loved the sort of invention plus magic spin on it that this book has there's a second one out in the series that i haven't picked up yet but that i am like excited to get to it when i can um because this was just so fun it was immersive the the storytelling was great the characters were good and it really does does do some unexpected things with the Cinderella myth, which is what I think like fairy tale rewrites. Like it's all about like, how are you going to take this material and make it your own? And Betsy Cornwell really did a great job. So that's Mechanica. That sounds so fun. I just want to get a mechanical mouse. I know. Well, there's, so I will say there's a little, there's a tiny mechanical horse that comes into the story that I just, if I had read this when I was like 13, oh my gosh, I would have <laughs> died to have my own. I mean, even now I'm just like, I could use one of those. Like I want a tiny mechanical horse that's got like a coal in its chest that keeps it moving. Like, come on, who doesn't want that? <laughs> I will trade in my car for that. Yeah. Just give me a saddle and a mechanical horse. Yeah. It's great. And the way that they do the the carriage oh it's so she's so clever it's just so clever i loved it um all right and that's our show thank you all so much for listening uh you can email us at sff yeah at bookriot.com if you have recommendations questions feedback etc you can also review us on apple podcasts we love to see your feedback there and if you review and rate the show it helps other people find it so please do do that um you can find me on social media i'm mostly on tumblr it's jenirl.tumblr.com and that's jen with two n's where are you sharifa I am on Instagram, and you can find me at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And happy reading until next time. 